Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor Live. I am your host, Greg Solvander. Tonight's floor plan uh, with me, begrudgingly, Brian Fonseca and Sean Rochester. Um, I'm not even giving you their Twitter ads. You know where to find them. We are going to recap the Miami. You're, you're going to have to give them the Twitter ads where Elon Musk fucking up this bullshit. This they, is they're, true. It'll be harder to find us now. This is true. So actually, let me rewind that. You can find Brian Fonseca at Brian Fonseca NY. Uh, and you can find the coach Sean Rochester at S Rochester NBA. I am Greg Sylvander. We are going to recap the Miami Heat's victory. Hold on, <laughs> victory. For those not watching video, there were quotes on that. Yeah, quotes, I had to yes. do air quotes. We are looser than usual after an overtime victory. Um, usually I'm feeling good after a heat win y'all and I'm not feeling as great as usual. So we're going to dive into a little bit of what we saw tonight, but before we do want to, uh, start by recognizing one of the great sponsors of five on the floor and the five reasons sports network. And that is a aggressive insurance. They are an insurance broker agency that's been servicing South Florida for over 15 years. They offer auto insurance, homeowners insurance, condo life retirement programs, uh, free notary service to all their clients. So they really, it's a one-stop shop. Uh, a Aggressive Insurance, Lynette is a friend of the program. 954-581-8800 is the telephone number. You definitely want to reach out. Um, they represent all the leading insurance carriers in South Florida. If you have a bad driving record, no problem. No driver will be refused. Free phone quotes. Insurance by Lynette. That's with two N's and two T's dot com. Uh, she's on IG, Facebook, and Twitter. That's A Aggressive Insurance, 954-581-8800. All right. So I have to be honest. This is one of the Heat's victories where it didn't really feel like a victory. Um, they came out listless, lackluster, just like the effort wasn't there. I didn't like... Again, the disposition of the team, that shit's driving me crazy at this point, the way that they look over and over again. The fact that they held to eight players in an overtime game on November the 10th is not a good sign to me. Um, they, again, didn't shoot well from three. They gutted out a victory, so I'm, I, we're going to give credit where, where it's due. Brian, I'll start with you. Biggest takeaways from this game where the Heat, they they got a win, so they're obviously heading in the right direction, but it just felt like a real struggle. What were your major takeaways? The first note I have here is they're so lucky Charlotte sucks. It's the first thing. And I wrote that down during the third quarter. So, like, they almost lost anyway. But the first takeaway for me is they're so, they're so lucky that Charlotte sucks. The second takeaway I have is, is a little bit longer, but – 
at times watching this offense could feel like trying to take a shit Halloween night after eating too much candy and you're trying to find a sweet spot between smooth poop and diarrhea and you have to just keep starting and stopping because you're one second off in each direction. That's the Miami Heat offense. Wow. I don't understand it. Like, yo, sometimes they're like, like they're in sync and then they're not. And you feel like they're getting somewhere. Then the other team goes on a run. Then the body language changes. This is not a great body language team this year. I got to say, like through the first 12 games, like body language. I'm not the body language police like uh, Jalen Rose claims to be, for example. But I just like Greg, the vibes, like I told you before the season, the vibes I was very concerned about that heading into the year because this is not a team that could afford bad vibes. I don't know if the vibes are bad, but they're five and seven. And this is another thing I have written down. This is more of a question. How Do you feel like they're going to be Charlotte on Saturday? Because on one hand, it's very difficult to beat the same NBA team twice back to back, regardless of who it is. But this is Charlotte without LaMelo Ball, without Gordon Hayward. Gabe Vincent was getting cooked by Dennis Smith Jr. in crunch time. I don't know like what gave Vincent defense like this is not the game Vincent that I saw last year defensively and the entire team. Uh, Sean's going to extrapolate on this. So I'm going to let him cook when it comes to transition defense. But goddamn, like I I don't know what I'm seeing in terms of the transition transition defense. Like I don't recognize this heat team. I don't recognize their um, the lack of principles. We are 12 games into the season. Usually I'm not hyperbolic or whatever the case may be because I want to give this team time. But this is a theme now where you're getting 19 points in the fourth quarter against a very undermanned Charlotte team. Like granted, you don't have Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, Omer Yurtsevin. And then obviously we had the Portland fiasco earlier this week, which already feels like so long ago. So I don't know. Um, you know, a win is a win. They're five and seven as opposed to four and eight. You know what I mean? They'd be in the NFL in the hunt graphic if this was another sport. But right now it's just not, not what you want to see overall from this team. Jimmy Butler aside, because Jimmy Butler was fantastic. Like, let's give him his flowers. Uh, people saying trade Jimmy Butler, rebuild. Y'all are smoking dust, crack, uh, meth, wheat, whatever. Like, it's crazy. But without him, I don't know where this team would be. Seriously. 11 of 19. Uh, Bam actually rounded out a good game. There was a lot of squawking about him having a rough one to start. Uh, and you, you mentioned Charlotte being um, – shorthanded Dennis Smith Jr. left the end of this game with us with with an ankle issue of some kind so who knows if he'll play so to your question I expect them to win because this is like a business victory and I expect them to get the next one against Charlotte but with this team and the way that they played they let teams back in the like in the games over and over again it's tough to it, it's tough to say the thing that really jumps off the stat sheet is I'm glancing down 50 to 38 on the rebounds like this is you do want to talk about like we have a talk uh-oh. Well, we lost Greg night. there for a second. All it's right. It's been that yeah. kind of night. Yeah. If yeah. You, for people we, listening, Greg has just exited the stream uh, because we got of no connection. We got no timeouts. We used our review trying to call. There we go. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. They Brian Brian almost called a timeout. I let him know we already used our last one, and mm-hmm. we just That's kept good. it rolling. Didn't want to do the Chris Weber. Free throw. Didn't want to do we- the Chris Weber. What are we doing with the rebound situation, Sean? Like, why does this keep happening? It feels like Charlotte played smaller and they still gobbled up rebounds on this team. What are we doing there? If I had an answer to this, I mean, I, you guys could put you me might be on the staff. 
Jeez. <laughs> I, you know what? Like part of it is obviously, you know, the, the, the part about playing zone, it, it's harder to rebound because you're not assigned a man. You have to find a man to box out. However, no matter what defense we are in, we do not, we're undersized. So you already know you have to expand and, uh, and give more effort to find somebody, box somebody out, push them away from the basket and then seek the basketball. And there's certain people when you watch the game, they seek the ball and there's others that do not. And I'm not going to go through and, you know, pinpoint who, you know, but it can't just be bam. It can't just be Jimmy. And, and, and you made a point earlier, Greg, about the stat sheet. If you look at that stat sheet, if you didn't watch the game and you don't actually look at the score, just look at the Heat's box score. Jimmy, 35-10-8 with two steals. Caleb had nine points. Bam, 18-4 or 18-14-4 with two steals. Uh, Lowry, 10-3-3. Screws, 12-1-1 with two steals. You had two guys off the bench, Gabe and Duncan, 12-14. and 14. You had six guys in double figures. If you didn't watch the game, you would think, you know what? That's a pretty solid game. <laughs> but we watched the game, unfortunately, for an extra five minutes. <laughs> I, it's just, I said this before, and I know this doesn't go into the rebounding, but we just have stretches of time where we just go through the motions. We act as if everything's all good. We got our 10-point lead like it's a football game. We're just going to run a couple off tackles, stay in bounds, punt it, and then the other team, you know, they're not going to score. We got to No, it doesn't work like that. Games in the NBA can be decided in like three minutes. A 12-point lead is gone. It happened twice in this game in the second half. It's happened like five times in the last two weeks. We just have to be better. I don't think it's so much about seeking outside help. Right now, just be better on the roster when you're on the floor. I agree. Because, there. I mean, like Spo has essentially gotten to a spot where he's playing the same eight guys now um, since Tyler's been out. And I guess that'll be the moment when he can expand the rotation. And I just find it ridiculous when like we're in the middle of the third quarter tonight and there's four undrafted dudes in Bam out of bio out on the court playing zone. It's like, am I really, are we really doing this on November the 10th? Um, mm -hmm. It's just this, the, to your point about the team looks gassed. It, like by the end of the game, all of those dudes were huffing and puffing. There's like this, um, there's over and over again, it seems like there's slippage, like teams are get let back into the games. And I just don't know how they fix that, but you're right. It starts with internally, they got to figure out what the hell is going on there, play with more effort, be more aggressive. And I, I don't know how the, what the magic formula is to really like make any of that happen. It's so, you can't really quantify it. So it's, it's difficult to talk about like how to actually bring that into action Duncan Robinson was a guy that I thought had a really good first half. And then we didn't really see much from him in the second half. Um, Sean, I'm passing it directly back to you. Cause I'm, I'm going to Duncan Robinson here. What did you see that, that he was, I mean, is it just as simple as they keep running that play where he gets that shot at the top of the key and he shoots as many threes as he can get off and, and goes and sits back down. Or did you see anything different from him tonight specifically? I mean, I feel like he's getting off the ball a little more. Is that just me hoping and wishing and praying? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you saw that vintage Duncan, if we want to call it that, the, you know, running off a of dribble handoffs, running off of screens, providing uh, sort of the pressure, not rim pressure, but paint pressure by his movement. Um, 14 points, hit two threes, five of 10. The difference this year is really just his ability to get into the lane that, that you know, 
pull up jumper or a dribble in, get to the lane with a, a, a floater, or even he's done a couple times where he drives into the paint, gets to the baseline, kicks oh, it. No. And we've had some good stuff. And and that's what we were asking for a couple years ago. Now, obviously you can get into the argument about his contract and that this and that he just needs to play good in his role. You know, the Spo be a star in your role. And, and tonight in the first half, like Greg said, he was very good. Um, he still has his defensive limitations. And then that's, that's the, you know, in, in a game like this, it shouldn't be like this in a game against the Charlotte Hornets, but you got to hide those deficiencies. And, and that's why I think he only got, what, 23 minutes or something like that and didn't play a lot in the second half. Yep. Um, and so that's like another weird part about this team is that there's so many guys that can go hot and cold so quickly. It's hard to, um, it's hard to know who to rely on. Uh, and it's just a weird vibe. You like the, the one thing that this team felt like you could count on them every night for a certain level of effort, a certain level of intensity. And from game to game, it just feels like they come back out onto the court and it's not there yet. And they're waiting for it to happen. And this felt like it was going to be an absolute disaster. If they lost this game, they, they escape essentially on the shoulders of Jimmy Butler, uh, making play after play late. Uh, I hope y'all took the over on the 23 and a half or whatever it was on prize picks. Use the code five F I V E to double your initial deposit up to a hundred dollars. Um, but definitely take the over on Jimmy's points. Um, use that code five to get your initial deposit uh, matched up to a hundred dollars prize picks. That's the official daily sponsor of this show and the five reasons sports network, Brian, um, Jimmy Butler. So he's, he's killing it, right? Crazy footwork, looking like Hakeem Olajuwon, um, making the the spin move on the pivot and stuff like that, off the glass. Um, what I guess what concerns me, and I don't want to make this like where even the good stuff I'm turning into negative, but like, how can you expect dude to play at this level and basically keep this team afloat and make it through a regular season and then gear up for a playoff run? So one, what did you see that you liked from Jimmy tonight? And two, um, I guess I know the answer to this question, but just talk about the sustainability of Jimmy Butler playing at this level throughout the whole season. I think uh, we have a good comment here from uh, Mike Jones, who uh, he left a comment saying that they need to play off Jimmy to beat Charlotte. And I don't think that's crazy because you watch the game, you watch the performance. It takes you back to just what we saw in the spring against that. And we're going to get to more comments uh, later in the show, by the way. But uh, it takes you back to what he was doing in the spring against Atlanta, against Philly, against Boston. And it's like, why do they need this against a team whose best player tonight is Terry Rozier on their home floor, right? And granted, Tyler Hero is not there. But again, you're, fa you're facing a team without Gordon Hayward and without LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball, <laughs> who's not playing right now. Um, Jimmy's great. He is like anytime you feel like, oh man, like is, is he being a little passive, whatever the case may be, then he has a game like this and he reminds you, yeah, shut the fuck up. He's one of the 10 best players in the league. Uh, when he feels like it, he could be in the top five some nights because of what he can do in the playoffs and what he can do in situations of taking over games. I had no problem with the call at the end where uh, he basically waited, waited a little too long to get the screen, but like you kind of he had the isolation there anyway and they called a bad bad offensive foul call in crunch time there were some weird calls at the end but we're not going to referee uh you know police here um the sustainability is concerning because it's like you <laughs> playoff jimmy's playoff jimmy for a reason regular season jimmy is a great player 
an all-star, an all-NBA caliber player, an all-defensive caliber player, not somebody who should be getting 35, 10, and 8 or should have to uh, uh, against Charlotte or just with some form of regularity in that way. The Miami Heat pride themselves on their depth. They're lacking that right now because of some injuries, but they relied on internal growth, and I don't feel like some guys have taken maybe the step that they've wanted so far. Like Max Struess, it, it's like he had the imposter syndrome today because he had some bad three-point oh attempts, my gosh. whatever yeah. the case may be. You Air know, balls. Um, Gabe Vincent, I, I feel like it, it's kind of the same. Like sometimes you, you see encouragement, particularly from a floor general perspective, but defensively, I feel like he he's he's not where he was last year, right? Um, Dwayne Dedman, there were times in the game where I feel like him just running around, he looks like he's just gonna fall over, and I'm not even trying to like be funny. And it's like, damn, like the alternative would be Omer Yurtsevin, who apparently we're not gonna see him for maybe months. And I think with Jimmy Butler, the concerning thing is this team because of their injury situation because of their roster construction they just don't have a lot of depth and it's honestly not a roster conducive to him doing this and remaining healthy all season long because of the size because of the lack of physicality and they need they need to make some tweaks we know that I'm not sure how much they can do uh, if they don't and the issue is you have two more months until you can really make probably the moves you want but you may have to do something sooner because I'm not like, I don't know where this is going to be in two months. Cause you might be talking about injuries and then you might be talking about the maybe worst case scenario, which we don't have to talk about now. It's not as bad as people think. And it's not as grim. I'm not saying blow the whole thing up. It's not where I'm going, but there is a, there is a worst case scenario where like the things around Jimmy Bam and Tyler, you kind of reshuffle that. And then people just, uh, end their season early due to quote-unquote injuries and then wrap it up and try again next year you don't want to get to that point by wearing Jimmy Butler down but you can if he has to continue to do this on a regular basis yeah no that that's I guess where I'm struggling is that I just feel like for them to be in this position now it's just there's you're not going to like, just remember how Jimmy looked in game seven, how spent he was and think about all of the plays he had to make just to get to that damn game. And so to see him having to just dig as deep as he's, as he's having to right now um, on a night like tonight, everyone played heavy minutes. So, I mean, to your point, I, there's a comment here that uh, came through and I'm just going to um, paraphrase. It was from KB where he talked about Max Struess not having uh, the quick hook that Duncan Robinson does. I find that to be an interesting thing that uh, Spo is definitely riding with Max Struess. He played 39 minutes and it was an overtime game. Um, they're not playing Jovic at all. James Bond just asked, uh, I don't know if it's the James Bond, but James Bond asked, is Jovic <laughs> ever going to hit the floor? Free Jovic. I, I don't know. I mean, you would think that they could use a front court player. There's a, there's a stubborn aspect to this, Sean, that like – not only does UD take a roster spot, not only do they not fill the last roster spot because of the luxury tax, they also have two injured players and they still appear to be okay and get cute with this front court stuff. And I'm, I'm just interested, like, do you think that they are as, um, 
like I think if you ask them, they would say that they're not as concerned as the fan base is right right now. And when you look at the way that they're playing with such a short rotation with them, not even using all the roster spots, when you know, Spo could use more bodies right now. Like, do you think there's a, a level of the, the fan base is starting to roll their eyes at this group because they're like, they're clearly don't have enough. And, and like what just, I'm interested in your perspective on how you see the heats roster construction now that they need bodies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, if you think back to last year, when we got ourselves into that situation where Bam was out, we had a lot of different injuries and we were like calling guys up from the San Antonio G league team because they were close and, you know, like Spo somehow had that magic powder to make that work. And that's why we appreciate him as one of, if not the best coach in the NBA he can only do so much, you know, like Spo has not turned the ball over. He hasn't missed a box out. He hasn't made any shots this year. It comes down to the guys on the floor. I do feel like, like to your point, UD takes up that spot. We have an empty roster spot. Victor and Omer is hurt. Haywood Highsmith is basically unplayable at this point. That's five different spots at this point. And he's only playing eight. And to the point that KB made, Struce seems to be besides your stars, the only guy that can go through a rough night and he continues to put him out there, which says something about Max. It's not necessarily a bad thing. He, he believes in Max, but it's almost like he looks at the bench. And you remember two years ago that, that early exit to the Milwaukee Bucks, he would yeah. look at the bench and be like, Oh man, am I going to really put Trevor Ariza back in there? Yeah. You know, like there's no, there was no options. <laughs> and think about all off season. I know, you know, the run it back and people are divisive on that, but like we thought we had depth and I still think we may have depth because of Victor and because of uh Yurt coming back, but it's still not necessarily what we thought. And, and, and so I think, you know, he's running these guys into the ground. Saturday would be a game that you would normally probably give Jimmy off. You know, he, he can use that rest. Like, like uh, Ethan said, the other, the other uh, show, I'd rather see him play 65 games like full tilt than play 75 and have to go through these like halfway games. Not that tonight was one of those. So it's going to be a tough task because you can't, you got to get yourself out of that hole and you can't do that by resting your guys. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing is like, they feel like they're playing for their life. And so maybe they aren't as nonchalant as I make them out to be. It's just feeling, I, I would feel like you would be pulling out every stop to, um, to get, additional help and maybe they don't think they could integrate the help that quickly i mean i know that there's it gets a little more complex than i'm making it but it just it starts to um i guess get a little frustrating when you see guys that you know are gonna have to play 40 plus minutes on a consistent basis on an already small team logging these kinds of minutes um and having to essentially carry this team to victory at this point I, I I don't even know how to approach this Charlotte game. That's what we're going to talk about next. Um, the the next Charlotte game is a uh, two games at home. This is a way that the NBA is reducing travel. So we're going to look ahead to the next Charlotte game. Finish with some comments and get out of here. Um, before we do, want to tell you about um, another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is, and I'm not uh, teeing this up like I normally would. But I definitely uh, want to give a major shout out to Water Cleanup of South Florida. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need to reach out to these guys with over 60 years of combined experience. Michael, Robert, their entire team at Water Cleanup of South Florida um, will take care of any leak detection issues. They'll clean the leak, 
Um, they have 24-hour emergency service, but also you can contact them at 954-579-0356. If you're dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business, they will um, one-stop shop it. Literally, you don't need to go anywhere else. They'll take care of everything. Whether you're a homeowner, business owner, you need to reach out. Their service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach County. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell, 954-579-0356 or wcufl.com that's the website on your screen right now water cleanup of florida if you have the schmutz they have the guts this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day go for a run take a nap maybe check the stats of the latest miami heat game i've got a better idea a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time the question is time for what if time was unlimited how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Let's hopefully... Uh hopefully we see the heat have the guts to get this next one against Charlotte. Um, Charlotte may be a little bit more banged up. Brian, final thoughts, looking ahead to Charlotte um, to the, to the next game with this team. And then we're not going to see them for a while. Um, is there, how are you, I guess I'm, I'm really running out of questions with this team. Like we're, we're kind of tap dancing around the same issues to, to a certain degree. So essentially if there was going to be one thing that you're going to look for in the first two minutes against Charlotte in the next game of this uh, home, it's not a home and home. It's like home, home series. What, what would it be? This is very simple to me. If they whoop Charlotte's ass, then there's still something there. And this is a game. This is a team where like, yes, they should blow them out of the water on Saturday. Get the fuck off my home floor sorry that we entertained that shit on Thursday, 20 points, uh, 20 point blowout, 25, 15, whatever. But like, send that message. If there's something there, if not, we're going to see them sort of tap dance with them and have their regressions and lose focus and have their lapses. And it's going to be an entertaining game that they may even lose after yet another bad fourth quarter. So this is very simple to me. You do what you're supposed to do. Home court advantage. Like, Fuck the analytics, throw everything else out the window, numbers, stats, charts, graphs, xylophones, all that shit, right? Win the game by a lot. That's an inside joke. <laughs> Win the game by a lot. Send that message that you're still here, that you're still who you say you are as an organization, that you're still the Miami Heat, that you're still playing Miami Heat basketball and capable of doing so. If they roll over... Or if they just don't really bring it against the Charlotte team, the Charlotte team could catch them slipping. Because I swear, Kelly Oubre, not a top five player in the NBA, probably a top five confidence in the NBA. Like, he's absolutely capable of torching this team 
Dennis Smith Jr., if he finishes this game, it's entirely possible that they lose because he was starting to play well. Like, don't mess around with this this shorthanded Charlotte team. Put them away. And especially if Tyler Hero is able to play on Saturday. Put them away and do it early. And uh, Brady Hawk was covering the game tonight. He said Tyler Hero looked good, like ready to play. And it was really surprising last minute that he was out. Want to address the Omer Yurtsevin note earlier in the show. Um, he's been dealing with bone spurs in the ankle. They thought that they were going to be able to get him out under the court and manage it. It doesn't look like that they're going to do that. The prudent approach will be for him to, um, I think, maybe even explore surgery and kind of get that cleaned up before he goes into his free agent summer. So something to watch there. But again, that's a big man that they have not had the chance to play uh, at all, basically. And, and everyone kind of wanted to see him and Bam play together. Uh, looking ahead to Charlotte, uh, Sean, the biggest thing you're looking for, because after that, it's Phoenix at home, which I don't love that game. And then it's at Toronto, at Washington, at Cleveland, at Minnesota. And then another one of these two games at home, but both of them are against Washington. I'm not loving this stuff with the two games in a row. Those aren't easy, but just uh, staying in the moment on Saturday, November the 12th, what are you looking for from the Miami Heat against Charlotte, Sean? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's a classic Southeast Division rivalry. You know, it's tough to get those wins. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's the Charlotte Hornets. Um, <laughs> thank God we can shoot free throws. That's that's the one thing that we're consistently good at. I mean, <laughs> we got to the free throw line a lot. We keep making those. Uh, we did a good job taking care of the ball today. You know, what I would like to see, what I'm curious about, and, and in the comments, you guys can give your opinion, and we'll take your comments here in a second. We played a lot of zone tonight. Will we play the same amount of zone on Saturday? You know, you talk about showing people stuff on film early season. Now you got a back-to-back set. Are you going to play the same defense? Are you going to play a more man? The zone has been good, but if you give it to them in too much of a heavy dose, they figure it out. Ubre killed us tonight. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I might adjust and uh, give them a different look tomorrow or on Saturday. So, Yeah, no, that's a really great point. I hadn't thought about that, like the whole game plan situation for a two-game set is different. And they did show a ton of zone, and now they're going to have to figure that out. I also liked a little bit of this uh, Lowry setting picks for Jimmy and Bam. Like, let's have a little bit more of that. He can just be our designated screen setter. Um, I am all about that as well. That's something that I'm going to continue to look for. And I think it was in Brady Hawk's uh, key takeaways on fivereasonsports.com. Make sure you read that. Uh, paywall free. Uh, let's get to some comments. Manny Chang is on the ones and twos. He's going to throw some comments up here. We'll read two or three of them and then we'll get out of here. Hopefully he has good ones. Hmm. More Manny. <laughs> so this comes from AFB uh, Adriano. It's what's with Miami's fourth quarter collapse. All offense always stagnates in the last period. Damn. I feel you, yo. Like, why does it keep getting stagnant? Do either of you understand why the hell this keeps happening while the, the ball stoppage can, like happens late in games? First, first to, that wants to grab it, go. Coach Sean, that's for you. <laughs> I think we would all agree that we are at our best when we have ball movement and player movement. And we know it's the NBA way to stop, slow down, isolate at the end. I don't mind. I think Greg said it earlier, like we slowed down on that one possession to get the switch and he attacked Rogier, got the bad offensive foul. But in general, that ball should be going side to side, running similar offense to what we do. I like that Lowry pick because you're getting a smaller guard switched on to Jimmy. I don't mind the ball being in Jimmy's hands, 
but there's got to be more movement. Like it, it's too easy to guard when it gets stagnant like that. And it, it ends up being a lot of times a bailout shot. So I agree with that comment. It, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, I'm over it. Uh, Mike Jones, how can the point guard not attempt a single two point shot? It's a good question. Um, Kyle Lowry didn't make his second field goal until I think it was like the fourth quarter or overtime. He had one in overtime where he he got into a mid-range spot, turned around, turned around jumper. It was a nice move, but he kind of did it because he had to because the shot clock was winding down. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of numbers that are going to tell me Kyle had an okay night tonight. I'm just not buying it. Like, it needs to be better. I, I You're making $28, $30 million. I, I just, I'm over it. Um, let's let's take a couple more comments. I don't want to end on such a dry note. <laughs> I'm over well, it. Speaking of dry and blue, I'm glad you didn't ask me about cleaning the glass tonight because there is every shade of blue for what we want to talk about. I do not want to tell you about cleaning the glass. I'm sure that it's bad. Um, here's another one. Uh, this is from Jared bone spurs or a nerve impingement. Um, I, I don't know exactly to that degree. I'll have to check in on that and get back to you. Um, I, I thought it was bone spurs, but I, I'm not digging for Omer Yurtsevin foot news. Look, <laughs> so. it, e- either way it's bad. Yeah, that's what we know. It's yeah, bad. I wouldn't expect we're not going to gonna see him for a while. Yeah. yeah, if if he comes back by the end of the season, I think that that would be like, oh, nice. Oh like, boy, seven footers surprised. with foot injuries, man. Yeah, not good. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mac Brown's asking if um, it's out for the season. I don't think that they're going to make that designation and call it out, but I do think that they're going to be super careful with bringing him back. He's going to be careful as a player and hit, hit the facts the people who represent him are going to be careful with him going into free agency so the fact is he's not Mm going to like overexert himself on a bad leg on a bad foot um until he's ready to play so i i think they're going to be really careful with him we might as well briefly touch on this here before we go but if he's out like how does the disabled player exception if they even get one how would the function just so people understand because they're probably going to be asking about this too. There was a really good thread by Brian Goins from Miami Heat Beat that Hmm. touched on that. Because he's such a low salary, um, it's almost meaningless. It's it's much the disabled player exception is much more valuable when you have a a big name player, big salary player that gets hurt because you get a portion of his money. When you're a I think he makes like what 1.3 million, you're not yeah, it's basically irrelevant at this point. So look up Brian Goins. He can uh, he can explain that much better than us three fools. This is very true. Go to Facts. Brian Goins for all the cat <laughs> yeah. stuff for sure. Um, I another comment came in. When did the Dolphins play yet? You know what? This is getting dangerous. Like I am not Mister <laughs> Football Town. Like y'all know, I've been pushing this basketball town stuff for a while now, and um, that Dolphin game is it sounds exciting. It sounds super exciting. I'm going to be looking forward to that. Um, another comment, and then we'll get up out of here. This is from Blazing Hazen 305. on. <laughs> you can't judge effort on results. He's out there playing hard, just not playing very well. That's Do my you point. think That's Lowry right, knows he's not putting because... in his best effort yeah. night in and night out? Maybe he's not happy. Um, this is about Kyle Lowry. That's people, about Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I, I don't think he's not happy. I, I think he likes Miami as a city. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, who am I to speculate, but I just think that they need a shakeup regardless. Um, 
but I, I definitely think that uh, Kyle Lowry has been happier elsewhere. I'll say that. Mm. Hopefully, uh, I, I don't even want to go there. I don't even want. To, I don't even want to put that. Just in end the right? show with a bang. We'll say <laughs> just, goodnight. All right, fine. I'm just gonna say, I, hopefully, hopefully. I think he will be ultimately, but if they do have to make that move, because it's feeling more and more like they're going to have to figure something out at some point. And Kyle Lowry is one of the only guys that they could actually move before January. Hopefully Jimmy Butler is okay with that. If they're not a package deal. I don't think they are though. Hey, Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson are both able to be moved right now, but that's a conversation for another day. Thank you for joining us. We will have you covered this weekend um, and some off day uh, five on the floor shows as well. Uh, thank you for joining us again. Um, A Aggressive Insurance, Water Cleanup of Florida, and Prize Picks. Shout out to all of our great sponsors. Use that code five for Prize Picks to double your initial deposit. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.